0: It ain't the left side for the right side, and it must be the
1: fin side. It's it ain't the left, left side, side the right Good side. afternoon, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the finfanatic.com website and the Fan Sided Network. I am in Kansas City today visiting some family. Paul is at his usual location, so if my background looks a little different, that is why. Um, but yeah, Paul, it is. It, we're at the bye week now, so no game to preview, no game to conclude. So we're going to talk about a couple of different, a different hodgepodge here of Dolphins topics, and there are several of them to discuss. We're going to talk about some just a high level look at the internal free agents that Dolphins have after the season, so we can keep an eye out for who we're looking to take that next step up throughout the rest of the year, as well as franchise tag candidates, a rooting guide for week 14 predictions for the rest of the year with the dolphins and also our stab at the dolphins pro bowl possibilities here too, Paul. So I, I mean, what a strange season so far. I mean, the dolphins have gone, the dolphins went 56 days without a victory during their seven game losing streak. Now, if they beat the New York Jets, or should I say, when they beat the New York Jets? Because if otherwise, none of, none, nothing else we're talking about is even worth it as far as predictions. If they don't beat the Jets here after this week, it will be fifty straight days without a loss heading into Monday Night Football against the Saints.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, and the Saints are a team that's reeling a little bit right now. So, really. This could end up coming down to that final week seventeen game against the Patriots, and I know we're going to dive into that a lot here as we go forward. You bet.
1: So let's take a look here at the rest of the season. I mean, the look—I look, have said it for several weeks, and we, we've talked about this. The Dolphins have to run the table for to be in the playoffs. I mean, let, let's be—they're they're not getting in at nine and eight with the way that the rest of the AFC is, and they're obviously heavy favorites against the Jets. Then they play at New Orleans, which has looked like a more winnable game throughout the year and also carries some weight because of the whole Chris Sims calling Dolphins fans idiots for thinking that Taysom Hill wouldn't be able to complete 70% of his passes like Tua does. Then the week after that, you've got a tough game at Tennessee against the Titans. Uh, Just got word here Julio Jones is coming back. He'll be back this weekend, so he should be back for the Dolphins game. A.J. Brown will be too. And then finally week 18 against the number one seed New England Patriots in Miami. So, Paul, tough AFC. What's your, how do you think very quickly it's going to go the rest of the year for the Dolphins? Do you have them making the
2: playoffs? I've got it close. It's going to come right down to the wire, I think. I think the Dolphins run the next three and could definitely be a team that, makes some noise against the Patriots in week 17 I think that's going to be a slugfest and I think they get to that 10 win mark which is crazy to say after a one and seven start
1: I said before that in these last three games at New Orleans at Tennessee and the Patriots at home I've been saying all year I think they'll win one of these three games I'm going to crank that up to two and obviously I'm going to have them beating the Jets too so if I had to guess, if I had to throw a guess out there as far as a loss, I would say at Tennessee and they beat the Patriots at home in the final week. They beat the Saints on Monday Night Football and they obviously went against the Jets. That would take them to nine and eight, just out of the playoffs. But when we when I did a simulation on the New York Post as far as the Dolphins winning the remaining four games, if they did that, they would have somewhere between an eighty between an eighty and an eighty five percent chance of of making the playoffs so it's certainly within within reach
2: it is but like i said before what i did with basically picking every game the rest of the year if it falls the way that i think it's going to miami has to win out to make the playoffs they absolutely have to Um, yes yes they do now that's things could change a little bit as we go along here obviously my predictions could go completely out the window. I think I actually picked Pittsburgh to beat Minnesota the other night, so they're already shot in the foot anyway.
1: Yeah, and some of these teams have to start dropping out. The Steelers now are 6-6 six, six and 1. They're 10th seed in the AFC. So when you take a look at the at those teams that are 8 through 13. The Dolphins are 13th seed in the AFC right now at 6 and 7. That can obviously change cuz so many things are so close, but the teams that are were would be out of the playoffs If it started today, the Bills are seventh seed at seven and five and also have the Bucks this weekend. The eighth seed, you've got the Colts who have a bye this week. Then they play at New England, or versus New England at Arizona, and then the Raiders and the Jaguars to finish the season. Ninth seed, the Raiders, they've lost, what, five of the last six games. You know, they they look like they're starting to drop out. Steelers seem like they're uh, they're skidding a lot obviously 6-6 six, six and 1 i i don't see them making it the browns not the same browns team we saw at the beginning of the year they're the 11th seed at 6 and 6 and then the broncos seem to win one lose one win one lose one all the time they're 6 and 6 you play the lions this weekend though so and then you got the dolphins at the, with the 13th seed here so those things can change pretty quickly so looking at this weekend's games paul what is the most important one for you that that needs to happen in the Dolphins' favor? Or maybe a couple of them.
2: I mean, I think the the hardest thing for me right now is the Colts and the Titans have a slugfest going on in the AFC South. And somebody needs to pull away from somebody and somebody needs to fall behind as far as that goes. Um, and that that's the most critical thing for me at the moment is – who can pull away, and then I'm just going to root like hell against who the other team that doesn't?
1: Yeah, and when you look at the Titans the rest of the way, the thing that sucks about them is that they've got the Jaguars this weekend, and they've got the Texans in Week 18. So that, for them, is 10 wins right there. And then they've also got the Steelers, 49ers, and the Dolphins, three very winnable games. They really just need to win one of those to pretty much clinch the division. The, to me, when I look at this weekend – the I'll divide them into a couple different segments. Here is you've got three three games that are are going to be heavy favorites for the AFC uh, teams that we're competing with. It'd be a big upset if they lost. You've got the Chargers playing the Giants. You've got the Titans playing the Jaguars, and you've got the Broncos playing the Lions. It would be huge if an upset or two could be pulled among those three games. I don't expect that to happen, but if it did, it could significantly change the landscape there of, of the AFC playoff race. Then you've got the Chiefs against the Raiders, and my advice to anybody here through the Dolphins' land is root-like hell for the Chiefs to 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 uh, run the table here, because if they do, I mean, the Chiefs are going to make the playoffs regardless. But you look at the remaining five games – all in competition with the Dolphins, Raiders, Chargers, Steelers, Bengals, Broncos. So if they can run the t- run through all those teams, put all those teams behind, more than likely the Dolphins are going to catch up with a couple of them. Then you got the Bucks against the Bills. Um, now, the, the it's in Tampa Bay. The Bucks are favored in that game. The Bills would fall to seven and six. But the thing that sucks about that is. The Bills have 3 home games against the Panthers, Falcons and Jets throughout the rest of the year. And that right there would be 10 wins and lock that and that would lock the Dolphins out of that playoff spot with them because the Bills have the tiebreaker. If they get to 10 wins there's no way the Dolphins can catch them in the standings. So uh a lot of moving parts ball.
2: There are and I want to go I want to just park real quick on that Bills Buccaneers game. I mean, it's, or the Bills in general, it's the Panthers are a team that the way the Bills offense is struggling at times right now, the Panthers defense could do well against them. And if McCaffrey can get healthy, um, the Bills run defense got really gashed knowing the run was coming at him this past week. I know the Patriots have a good offensive line, but Christian McCaffrey is Head and shoulders above anybody they got, and we all know how I feel about Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, and if you can go one dimensional against the Bills and still run it down their throat, there's a problem because 50 mile an hour winds don't affect covering the run, especially yep. when you know it's coming.
1: I agree with what you said on the defense. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's out for the rest of the year, so he won't he be okay. in that game. Yeah, he's out for the rest of the year. I enjoy the Panthers once we pass them. Well, it was not a lot was made out of it because uh McCaffrey gets gets hurt so frequently, but yeah, the no, but as far as defense, yeah, I mean the Bills haven't been great on offense for really like the last 5 or 6 weeks. I mean, uh, I I think they're going to bounce back against an easier schedule here at the end of the year. Um we'll see. To me, what the biggest game in everything we've talked about, the biggest non dolphins game is next week when the Patriots play at Indianapolis. Yes. And the reason I say that is because it, if the Patriots lose that game, which is very possible to Indianapolis, then the following week, the Patriots play the bills at home. Now the Patriots will be favored by a little bit in that one as well, but I could see the Patriots playing two good games, two tight games and coming away with losses in those. Then from that point, that sets it up where the Patriots have six losses and they play the dolphins in the final week. So you could see a scenario then where the dolphins are playing the Patriots for the higher seed in the AFC at that point.
2: It is entirely possible. Although the way the Patriots are playing right now, they would really have to fall off a cliff before next week. They're playing with confidence and swagger. The way we see Miami doing it, the two biggest winning streaks in football right now belong to the dolphins and the Patriots. Um, one interesting one I want to actually go back and park on too is, is 49ers and Bengals what a heart-wrenching decision to have to make in this one and I will choose playoffs over draft position every time so we've got a route for the 49ers Dolphins are sitting right right locked up with the Bengals and in reality it's we we were, are probably going to lose some draft position to improve our playoff chances it, because we hold the 49ers first round draft pick. But at the end of the day, I want to go to the playoffs. And I, I it, you have to root for the 49ers in this one, even though it's going to slide Miami's draft stock a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think you have to. And I'm glad you brought that up. I totally missed that one. Yeah, it's it's bad news, bad news, bad news, good news, good news. Uh, <laughs> on both of those, because on one hand, I – no, because yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, we've you've got to root for the 49ers because the Bengals likely are going to go to the playoffs. I mean, heck, they could they could be a, a 11 or 12 win team. But when you look at the rest of the AFC, if there's a team that can fall off a cliff, I mean, Joe Burrow's been playing hurt. That offensive line has played better, but it's still questionable. Joe Mixon's playing hurt. Jamar Chase has not played well for the last five or six weeks. So if you can see a team falling off a cliff suddenly. It could be the Bengals, and, and that would have to start here this weekend. So, yeah, but overall, Joe, Joe,
2: Joe Burrow looks like he's playing in traffic on every snap at this point and bouncing off of cars as, as he's trying to throw a football. So, no wonder Jamar Chase hasn't looked as good. I mean, there's no way for him to. The, Joe, Joe Burrow has zero time. Anytime he's got, he's created himself, and he's just getting beat up and battered like he's in a washing machine down in and down out.
1: I blame. Burrow for a lot of that because he he is somebody who I, I don't think is understood at this point you can't you can't get hit as often as you do and he takes a lot of unnecessary hits I think the Bengals offensive line has played a lot better this year than I thought but still overall it's not a great unit um I I honestly
2: the way the Dolphins have played the last two weeks offensive line wise right now even with Jesse Davis and Austin Jackson in the lineup would probably take the Dolphins' offensive line over the Patriots,
1: or not the what? Patriots, Bengals? Oh, I was Bengals. gonna. Oh, okay, I was gonna Sorry. say you're on. You're sniffing glue if you think that's. The yeah, case. no, not over the Patriots. I would take the Patriots all day. No, right. I I would still put the Bengals' offensive line above them, but not as much as I would have to begin the year. And that speaks to the Dolphins. To me, the Dolphins' play calling. And their dedication to the run, running the ball twenty-five to thirty times a game, is what has taken the pressure off the offensive line. I don't think the offensive line has suddenly gotten better. I think the play design has gotten a lot better, which has helped the offensive line for the Dolphins. It's going to be a big area of need here, which we'll talk about in just a bit. As far as the offensive line is concerned, Paul. So, did did you mention
2: Chargers and Giants, by the way?
1: I did. Um, We're all Jake but, Fromm fans this week. Is he starting?
2: Uh, very likely. I think Glennon's still down with a concussion that I'm pretty sure Jalen Phillips gave him
1: pretty sure that, I, I don't know. I, I, you might be did right. He get cleared? right. He, he, yeah. I, I think he did, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't, great I didn't, I great. didn't care enough to look cause I just assumed the charges are going to pummel him, but if Probably. you know, root. For, so here, here's your guide for this weekend. Get your pen out. Everyone 49ers bucks chiefs, Browns lions, Jaguars Giants if we're toasting to those victories Dolphins playoff chances get a lot better heading here into week 15 against the Jets after that so Paul let's take a look at the rest of the team here because you know we don't have a game to talk about this week after the season the Dolphins are going to have actually let's 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 park that for a second here this season let's stay on this season here yes We've got the Pro Bowl announcements here coming up in just a couple of weeks. And you've got, to me, one obvious Dolphins Pro Bowler who's going to make it again. And you've got a few that are possibilities. And so my question to you is, before we dig a little bit deeper into that, two questions for you. Number one, how many Pro Bowlers do you think the Dolphins are going to have? when the rosters are announced. And number two, how many do you think they should have?
2: I think they're going to have three. Okay. And I think they should probably have four or five, actually.
1: Okay, okay. So the three that you think will make the Pro Bowl. And by the way, Pro Bowl's kind of BS, but it's a popularity contest, but still... (laughs) for some reason it's still one of the highest i don't know whatever but uh you know it is it is something that that is referenced a lot you know in, in in football so it's something we do have to talk about here so what three dolphins do you think will make the pro bowl roster
2: i think Xavier howard easily popularity name recognition contest uh xavian howard wins i think Jalen Waddle because he's getting so much hype on NFL Network and he, he with the number of receptions he has, heck yeah! Like I think Jalen Waddle will make it, and I think undeservedly so. When I say this, I think Mike Gesicki will make it over some people that deserve it more than he does.
1: Okay, and anybody else jump out as you think should make it?
2: Should make it. Um, I'm I'm going to pull Gesicki off the pile and I'm going to say should make it, and you're going to be shocked when I say this probably, but Christian Wilkins, Javon Holland, and outside chance if he has another multi-sack game this week, I could see Jalen Phillips being on that list or right there with it, which Got it. would have been insane three weeks ago.
1: The, the guys that you mentioned there, I, I had I had as, as possible all all everyone you listed I had as a possibility. I think just one dolphin will make the Pro Bowl team, and that's Xavier and Howard. Who I think also should make it is Jalen Waddell mm-hmm. and Javon Holland, both rookies. And I say that because look, there are a lot of good safeties in the AFC. And Justin Simmons will definitely make it a free safety. Derwin James will make it at strong safety. And then you have one safety spot left. I don't – even though it's a great AFC in safeties, both Bill safeties, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, Mika Fitzpatrick, even though I don't think he's had a great year.
2: No, but he's got um, the name recognition.
1: He does, yes. And uh, uh, Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, name recognition, hasn't had a, his best year but still a good player. And uh, Kevin Byard, who I think is actually going to end up getting the third safety spot there. I, I don't I don't put the, I, I put Javon Holland over all of them. I, Javon Holland plays free safety. He's the la- last line of defense. He blitzes. He's all over the field. And it's gotten to the point in the last four or five games. When the ball gets in Javon Holland's territory, he's either making a play or the receiver is not catching it. And I can't say the same for the other guys. I, I think if you just look strictly on production, you don't know, look at range, uh, name recognition, he should be on there. And Jalen Waddell... There are four receivers that make the Pro Bowl, right? Um, three I could tell you right off right off the whip are gonna make it. Um, because of name recognition and production. Tyree Kill will make it, Keenan Allen will make it, and Stefan Diggs will make it. They're in, put him in. They were they were in the Pro Bowl last year, multiple time pro bowlers each, and they have the numbers to back it up. And then the fourth spot, it's gonna be close between a lot of players. Jamar Chase, a couple of weeks ago, I would have put in there um because of the stats, and he was number one among wide receivers and pro bowl voting by fans that shouldn't mean anything but it does a couple of weeks ago so he might end up still getting that fourth spot but jalen waddle second in the nfl in catches and he's done it without his quarterback for five and a half games on there yeah i I would give him that fourth spot
2: now one person we haven't mentioned that has an outside chance and i can't recall if he's actually listed on the ballot itself on nfl.com for the special team spot but should be in consideration is potentially mac Hollins. um he has been phenomenal covering kicks and punts this year
1: yeah I, there are a couple of guys that i think could be consideration uh, mac Collins, duke riley uh, for special teams and uh clayton Fedulum too i mean look clayton fedgelum can't play defense but he's a good special teamer teamer but also in the AFC, Matt Slater seems to have a stranglehold on that special teams Pro Bowl spot every yeah, year. Yeah, because no one knows who to pick, and they just click that button. It, correct, exactly right. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and and you know, you could you could see like a uh, uh, Blake Ferguson get in as a long snapper too. Those are so hard to predict every single year, and it seems like Morgan Cox for the Ravens has the stranglehold on that long snapper position every year. So, but let's go back to a few other guys. Um, Gasicki is a possibility i'd be shocked if he did because you've got two tight ends that make it travis kelsey will make it. there's no doubt about that and that and then it would be between andrews darren waller and gesicki and andrews has about 150 more yards um and darren waller has one more yard and is also hurt right now um never, so i never
2: deterred fans from voting for somebody
1: yeah it, it, well Gusecki has made those highlight reel catches so much compared to the other players.
2: And and that's where it might get interesting for him because the Dolphins have not had a lot of broadly televised games. So when people are watching ESPN, NFL Network, uh, Red Zone Channel, all those different things, the highlights that jump up from the Dolphins – are typically going to include Gasicki leaping up in the air and snagging a one-handed catch. Um, if they cut over to Mac Hollins' touchdown this past week, Mac Hollins may have helped Mike Gasicki get to the Pro Bowl because the graphics even that flashed up were Mike Gasicki' touchdown, and people aren't going to go back and go, "Was it really Mike Gasicki?" If they're not Dolphin fans, it's,
1: you know, <laughs> so he's, like, do- he's he's double dipping on that, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's
2: he, he should buy Mac Hollins' dinner if he makes it by just a handful of votes. Uh, it, it's but uh, you know, yeah, Daryl Johnston was fooled through a commercial break, so you know it's, but it's possible. But it's, their gra-
1: their graphics people were confused. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, like it's and and and. But I just yeah, we already talked about that on our previous episode. But it's it's because of all people see from it, he may make the Pro Bowl over Andrews, even though Andrews deserves it more based on the season that he's had, uh, because Andrews for whatever reason has a kind of a common name that just floats by people and B, he just doesn't have the name recognition he deserves as of yet. He's somebody that I could very well see being a snub for the casual fan.
1: Could be, uh, I see Andrews or Waller getting that second spot. Um, he should, that's a hundred percent. He should, but I, but the the highlight reel catches certainly favor Gusecki. I've other also too, Paul, um, I think it's a possibility. If I were to talk about the the second player behind Xavier Howard, who I think has the best chance, I actually put Emmanuel Ogba in there because he's got six sacks on the year, and there aren't a lot. As far as edge players, you've got three or four who have a lot of sacks in the AFC. Jalen Phillips is six in the AFC with eight and a half sacks. Ogba has six, but he also has nine passes defended, batted down passes, and that's gotten a lot of recognition. He's a good overall player, and there's a lot of competition for that third defensive end Pro Bowl spot. Um, Mm -hmm. Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett will be in the Pro Bowl again, and then you've got the third spot. At defensive tackle, you will definitely have Chris. Go ahead. The weird
2: thing is Jalen Phillips is not listed as a defensive end, by the way, just so you know. He's listed on the official NFL.com Pro Bowl ballot as an outside linebacker.
1: Got it. Th- thanks for bringing that up, too, because I was going to ask you about that.
2: Um, so he he and Agba don't conflict with each other in any way, shape, or form. So he's getting hot at the right time to get in, although he's got to compete against guys like T.J. Watt, so he's not going to get that number one spot, definitely. But he's getting hot at the right time, but he's not pulling away from any Agba votes, even amongst Dolphin fans.
1: Yeah, looking at the front seven now, um, as far – take defensive end, defensive tackle and inside linebacker at defensive end Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett will make it, no doubt about that defensive tackle Chris Jones and uh, Cameron Hayward will make it um, at, at defensive tackle because Hayward I know is a D end and a three forward but he's classified as an interior defensive lineman and then you've got a lot of competition with Jeffrey Simmons, Calais Campbell for that third defensive tackle spot maybe Wilkins sticks his head in there but i i don't think he'll he'll he will at outside no, he linebacker should
2: he should his run defense grades alone should put him in there right now at least in uh, the conversation
1: in, in the conversation yes i i don't think he he wouldn't be the third defensive tackle for me uh outside linebacker two will definitely make it tj watt and matt judon watt has 16 sacks judon has 12 and a half both have made the pro bowl before And then you've got some competition for that third spot. And maybe I don't think Jalen Phillips will be the guy because he hasn't played a lot of snaps, Um, but he's got eight and a half sacks on the year. And that's something to watch out for for the rest of the year. Micah Parsons got his 10th sack the other day and Micah Parsons became the 25th defensive player in NFL history to have 10 sacks as a rookie. Phillips needs one and a half in his final four games to join that group. So Parsons will probably make the Pro Bowl in the the NFC and probably be Defensive Player of the Year. Jalen Phillips is starting to inch toward that same conversation.
2: And Jalen Phillips is our second best draft pick on the defensive side of the ball this year,
1: and he might be the third best draft pick overall this year. So, yeah, I mean, can can we essentially
2: give give Greer something that that we gave the two the other day? Can we give Greer another year now?
1: Yes. Oh, Greer, Flores, and two
2: are all going to Well, no, but I just met amongst fans, amongst our show. Let's give Greer through the draft in the offseason now to see where we stand on him.
1: No, I think, I mean, it's a different conversation. Now. I was all about firing Flores and Greer when the Dolphins were 1-7 because it was their third year, and I said, okay, this is a failure. Paul uh, was not. Uh, I, I did not expect it to be turned around. It, especially to this degree, so no, things have changed, and look, it, they have to change. If you're six, and if the difference between one and seven, and six and seven, is a different conversation. If things change to that degree, the conversation is going to change as well. And and that's where I was on that fence
2: of maybe we get rid of Flores uh, at, at that point in time, but I wasn't on the fence about Greer because I do I did feel that he put the talent in that room to be able to do what we're doing right now and we haven't had a massive personnel overhaul uh, I think our big shining addition since then was Philip Lindsey uh, and the Dolphins are getting it done with this personnel now because of the changes that the coaching staff made schematically and and decision wise and, and that's where I've been on, and and that's where I've been on that career train, the whole, the whole time. Where I felt he put that talent on this roster, and including some talent that this coaching staff couldn't or wouldn't use.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I and when I look back at at the time twenty, I mean, I I didn't think Christian Wilkins had a great start to the year, uh, and. You look at the rest of the 2019 draft. You had you traded a second and a fourth round pick for Josh Rosen, and you drafted Dieter in the third round. Dieter's mm-hmm. looked pretty decent when he's been in, but overall, spanning over the first two and a half years, it was a terrible pick. 2020, Tua was hurt again. Austin Jackson and Igbinoguiny were terrible busts, and they still are. And then the rest of the draft was okay in 2020. Good. Um, 2021, Jalen Waddle was catching four yard passes every time. Jalen Phillips hadn't broken out yet, and mm-hmm. Javon Holland um, was was struggling in his first couple of games. Now things have changed, and that's what tends to happen with a younger roster. And another benefit to that too, Paul, is that when you have a young roster, when you have two on a rookie contract, when you have, what, eight or nine starters on rookie contracts, it allows the team to have a lot of money. And that's what the Dolphins are going to have here in the offseason. We're not going to go too deep into the offseason. We've got months to talk about that. But they are projected to have almost $76 million in cap room this year. And then if you also factor in cutting Jesse Davis, cutting Alan Hearns, maybe you cut um, Eric Rowe. I, I wouldn't cut Eric Rowe, though, because you'd only save $4.5 no. But let, let's just stay with stay with Jesse Davis and Alan Hearns. You cut those two guys. Now you're over $80 million. So, taking a look at that, I mean, I look at at three positions this offseason. If you keep the current roster, you really don't lose anybody in free agency. There are three big needs. Left tackle, right tackle, running back. And like you said in a previous show, the Dolphins can be laser-focused on those three positions.
2: They can, but where I would say they need to – Do some things to be able to be laser focused are re signing Mike Kosicki. I don't care if they've got eight tight ends, you know, they just need to. So, the tight end is just an afterthought, especially with him and Durham Smythe hitting the market. Um, If you sign Emmanuel Ogba, you can straight up ignore the defensive line, and that includes the fact that John Jenkins is going to be a free agent. Period.
1: Oh, Jenkins is gone. What's that? Jenkins is
2: gone. He's right. He's not, I'm just saying it's there's like Jenkins is an NFL player, he's an NFL rotational player. But this line is too deep and the emergence of guys like Adam Butler make him 100% expendable. So, bye. Like it, it's thanks for coming back. We'll see you in a few years again. Um the only thing I'd say beyond that those positions between the offensive line uh, between because I'm sorry if you're if you feel Austin Jackson is your best answer at left guard, there might be some time to add some competition to that room again. Um, but I do think they need to add a receiver in the, in the coming draft but then running back an offensive tackle and possibly a linebacker. I'm still over Landon Roberts and you, you you know you can focus on those
1: well when you look the dolphins have 18 unrestricted free agents okay
0: mm-hmm.
1: i argue that two of them that 16 of the 18 if they were lost would not would not really impact anything they're role players okay you've got two you've got Emmanuel Ogbun. you've got Mike Isaac that are absolutely critical to bring back Mm -hmm. and if you want if pff threw out some numbers of what they projected that they would get in free agency and i think it's pretty on the mark i actually think it's a conservative estimate on both of them but um mike is the guest by pff was let's see four years 55 million 30 million guaranteed i think it'll be what's that Sold. Oh, so Yeah, absolutely. And I think it'll be more than that. I think it'll be, if I had to guess, four years, $60 million, $32 million guaranteed. Still sold. Still sold because of the, the amount of money the Dolphins have. And this, when well, you f- have this... F- $15 million a year for a guy that can take over a game at any time
2: and take over, you know, keep the sticks moving on third down?
1: Yup. And a major, major mismatch problem. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And... Emmanuel Ogba uh, was guessed by PFF three years, 46 and million, 30 million guaranteed. I think you may
2: be able to get him for less than that. Not a lot less, but a bit.
1: I, I think that's right on the mark. I mean, I think it might even, I, I think that's a good guess by PFF. And I say that because um, two players, Frank Clark and Demarcus Lawrence out there who are pretty comparable maybe not at the time of their contract, but pretty comparable now, are getting over $20 million a year. Yes, they were overpaid for it, but that kind of sets the market a little bit. So, yeah, I think 15, $16 million a year gets it done. Now, if they franchise Agba, it's going to be about $17 million for one year, which I would still do. Um, Mike Kosicki, that's where it gets interesting because a tight end franchising him, it's about $11 million. Wide receiver, it's $18 million. Now you can say, "Okay, Gasicki's a tight end," but think about this: he's played six hundred something snaps this year. He has lined up as a tight end fifty-seven snaps out of six hundred plus. The other ones he's lined up as a slot receiver or out wide. Yeah,
2: no, I mean it, it's. I've said it before: re-signing Mike Gasicki and moving. If if you're going to move him to wide receiver officially, then you do need to get try to get Durham Smythe back. Uh, yeah, Smythe,
1: Smythe is yeah, I, I agree. Smythe is gone though. I mean he's probably when you look at when you look at I, the tight I, ends.
2: I if he doesn't have a big enough market that he's gonna get crazy tight end money. He's gonna get a decent contract.
1: So Mike Kosicki and Emmanuel Ogbar are the two the Dolphins need to bring back. Will Fuller you know, with his hand injury is unlikely to play the rest of the year. Um, hopefully we get him back for a couple of games. Probably not, but doesn't look promising for him to come back again and, and rightfully so. But so well, if and we
2: take those if he ahead, doesn't, he ain't getting ten million next year from anybody.
1: I think he will just cause he's still in his twenties and so valuable. Um mm. but it would probably be a one year ten million contract again. And well, it probably won't be. When won your ten dolphins. million
2: prove it deal proved what everybody else has been saying all along about his injury prone history and the fact that he just took a game off for I don't know if I feel like it. You know, like
1: Well, we still don't know the reason, but yeah, I mean yeah a person a personal reason. Yeah, I, I won't speculate, but yeah, I, I, I hear you. So I'm well, not well, saying let's... Miami
2: signs him again, but I don't see him getting ten million.
1: I think he will. We'll see. It if, if it would depend too if his if there's some personal stuff going on. He I mean who knows? It maybe he doesn't play altogether. Yeah. Especially with that hand injury that and look it's not a finger owie. Okay. This is this is a, a everything I've heard is that is that this is a badly, badly injured finger to where the guy can't even can't even grip anything. So he's got
2: multiple fractures in his hand total. Like- he can
1: grip he can grip ten million dollars, but uh that's
2: right. about it. Well, and it's it's, you know, and that's going to be another reason I don't think he gets ten million off the rip. I think he's going to have to actually try out for a team, so that they could physically see if he could still do all the things that he was able to do before the hand injury.
1: Paul, well, I'm going to list the Dolphins' 15 remaining un- unrestricted free agents in a row, and as I'm and after I'm done with that, I'm interested to hear. I've got mine broken down into kind of into segments here. I'm going to list off the Dolphins remaining 15 unrestricted free agents after Agba, Gesicki, and Will Fuller. Okay, I'm interested to know which ones you would want to grab and say, "Yeah, we should bring that guy back." So for for what they're what they're valued. Let's, and let's let's yay or nay it as we go through. Sounds that way good.
2: It's not an insurmountable list for our listeners.
1: Sounds good. Uh, all me. right, uh, Jacoby Brissett. Nah. I agree. Malcolm Brown. Nah. Nah, me either. Uh, Philip Lindsay. Yeah, to be determined. But yeah, okay. So yeah, let's let's. All right, so it's either yes, no, or we've got to see the rest of the year. So he's Lindsay is in the let's see the rest of the year category, right? Throw him in my
2: TBD camp.
1: Okay, same for me. So I think we're going to agree on a lot here. Albert Wilson.
2: No, (laughs) no, 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 no. No,
1: no. No, we're done with him. Matt Collins. Yes. Yes, I'm with you on that too. Um, four years? I wait. Uh, I'd say four million a year to be the fourth receiver, special teams guy. I'd be in. I'd be in that. Can't wait to see the costumes he buys at four million a year. <laughs> uh, Durham Smythe. Yes.
2: Okay, okay, I say. Depending I say. On where the contract
1: no, is. I say no. Okay, I'm. I'm going to throw out a number there. Eight million. No. Okay, because I and and he's tough because. The blo- those tight ends that can play so many snaps and can be a two-way blocking tight end as well as catch 30 or 40 passes, they're they're expensive. I mean, I'm going to throw out the name Jesse James, who the Lions signed a couple of years ago, was kind of in that same camp. He only caught 30 or 40 passes a year, but was a good blocker. He got a five-year, $40 million contract just a couple of years ago. I think people are going to be shocked what Durham Smythe gets this offseason from now, another team. Five
2: to six million a year, three years. And backload that contract, so maybe he gets a little more as as it escalates along. Yes, but eight million a year? No. Mm -mm. Yeah, Uh,
1: and I say no to that too. And I I don't. I think that was the whole reason for the drafting of Hunter Long. Um, And yeah, I I don't don't see a way he figures into the plans moving forward. I might be wrong. Maybe they prioritize him higher. Um, Going down the uh, the Austin Ryder.
2: Uh. So this one is an either-or for me, so I'm going to pull one more person into this. I would say yes to either Writer or Manx, but not both.
1: I would say no to Writer, and I would say yes to Manx, because uh, Manx, they traded a draft pick for him, just a couple of million dollars, and he can play center guard. I think he's a valuable backup, and when he played, I thought he did reasonably well, and he did reasonably well with the Texans. You're talking... You know, a couple of million a year to bring back, I'm all for Mance. No thanks on Ryder. Um I think that does it for the offense there. On the defensive side of the ball, John Jenkins gone. Savon
2: Ahmed and Preston Williams.
1: Uh, they're restricted free agents, though. Oh, so okay. we're we're just doing unrestricted. Um John right. Jenkins, we talked about gone. No. Nope. Alandon Roberts, we've talked about in previous episodes. I'm I'm more open to having a back than you are because it's probably gonna only be a couple million, but I, I'm open probably to probably but
2: You know, I'd rather look around a little bit and see other people. Duke Riley. Yes.
1: Me too. And I think I think that's a no brainer because I think it would be. He's going to be inexpensive. Yeah, I I would say I would say at the high end, three or four million. At which point. See that. Well, yeah, maybe not. And, And then you can head into the draft with Baker as your first linebacker, Riley as your second linebacker. I do think that getting that three down middle linebacker is a big need and probably the Dolphins only need right now on defense. And there's some good options in this draft coming up. There, there are a couple. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about those this offseason. Devin Lloyd from Utah being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that are the, if that's the case, but you head into the draft, not necessarily badly needing a, a linebacker. You can still go best player available at those spots, but, if you draft a linebacker, you have Baker as your outside linebacker. Duke Riley as your third guy. You're set at that position for the year. Um Brennan Scarlett. Yeah. I'd be open to that too uh, as a backup. Special he's going earn- to have to earn his spot during the
2: preseason, but absolutely. I mean, he's got special teams value too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he does. And, and you know, he's somebody who started for several years for the Texans when they were good on defense, taking the spot for Jadavian Clowney. Um Justin Coleman. No. Okay. I'm a yes on him. If we're talking three, four, five million a year, I think he is a very good third or fourth cornerback, and I'm willing to pay all day for that. Um, He's
2: improved throughout the season. Uh, I'm open to it, but for the most part, I'm not enamored enough to spend the money. I'd rather have Nick Needham – I'd rather have Trill Williams. I do like Javaris Davis a lot.
1: That could be an interesting choice. And I'll tell you this right now, I am going to advocate in the draft at some point for the Dolphins to spend a high pick on a cornerback because it's not a need right now, but when Byron Jones and Xavier Howard get on the wrong side of 30 in a couple of years, it's going to be a big need and it's going to be too late at that point. I'm talking about as a draft pick, not as not, not as far as signing free agents. Um, Jason McCordy, No, because he's probably going to retire. Um, and finally, um, Pilardi. Yeah. I'd have to lean toward, yeah, because I think he does great directional kicking, and as the Dolphins get better on offense and they're not putting the ball outside of their own territory, I think he gets more and more valuable. One, AFC special teams player of the week. I mean, this he past averaged weekend.
2: almost 50 yards a punt this past week on six points.
1: Yeah, and he... And he drilled uh, three inside the fifteen, but still, I was thinking, like, how bad of a week was it on special teams? I saw, I I saw that pop up, and
2: all I could think of was you destroying him on our our, our game recap.
1: No, I wasn't destroying him. I wasn't. Dis- no, I, I said he did a good job as far as he he, he half as, as far plus. as direct yeah half his punts directional kicking and pinning other teams back. Like when the Dolphins kick from the forty or the fifty. He's great. There are very few punters I would take in the league over over Pilardi. If he's punting from the Dolphins' own fifteen, then no. I these I, there are many other punters, including Matt Hawk, that I would take over him. He did bomb one of them, but he had two or three other ones that weren't very impressive in that situation. So
2: I would not take Matt Hawk because Matt Hawk, as much as I love most of his kicks, is an absolute threat to just shank a ball four yards beyond the line of scrimmage at any point in time.
1: The Liverpool King and chat said, what is going on with Cat's uh, face? Is that a filter? No, I'm, I'm at my in-laws in Kansas City uh, here. Uh, I'm I, I'm not as... I don't have as much control over the lighting as I usually do.
2: You should have brought so, your pillows for the shelves behind you.
1: I should have. I was thinking that. <laughs> I was thinking that. Absolutely. First thing I or, thought when I saw the shelves was like, why no pillows? Uh, you know, I've, I've, I brought a couple of Dolphins hats, uh, which... Uh, I, and now my head's been covered up here. So I I'll be, them. I'll be, uh, I'll be back to my normal, uh, my normal couch with the uh, pillows behind uh, n- next week as we uh, preview and review the, the Dolphins jets game. Um, so Paul, we've thrown a lot out there. I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about a lot of just kind of things we've wanted to talk about, but didn't want to interject into any of our shows. Really uh, anything else jump out at you here.
2: No, it's, it's one thing that I like, and this is, you know, I am all in on trying to make the playoffs. I am all in on hoping the Dolphins do, and I am not moving on to the offseason as of yet. But I will say some of the positions we've talked about, offensive line, running back, potentially linebacker, wide receiver, there are a lot of very good options and not just in round one in this upcoming draft. There, every time I look at running backs right now, I'm just drooling, which is a fun thing to say. Uh, it, it's, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself with it. But again, looking at the Dolphins' needs, the stuff we just went through for the offseason, the, the, the re-signings and signings they could potentially make, the cap space they're going to have, and what they're doing right now with the current roster. I am so excited for 2022 as well. It's There is a lot of potential to really just take this thing and just shove it forward into a perennial contender this offseason.
1: And one thing I noticed when looking at at the free agents here is, yes, the Dolphins have a lot of them in 2022, the most notable ones being Gusecki and Agba. If you look at 2023, and other than Andrew Van Ginkle, there isn't a lot. So what that means is it sets up this situation where if they continue this momentum and they finish the year, let's say at nine and eight or 10 and seven, and Tua continues to play well. And we carry that to next year with Tua still on a rookie contract. The Dolphins are going to have all this money to spend, not a lot to re-sign in 2023. So they may have this two-year window in 2022 and 2023 where things really start to come together and they can really start to stockpile some talent there. So We'll, we We don't want to get too excited about the offseason because there's still a lot of football left to be played and a lot of excitement here to be had. But thank you all for joining us here on this bye week special of On the fence side. Be sure to follow myself at Brian NFL, Paul at Fanatic underscore Pick on Twitter. Um, also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker. Uh, not Spreaker. I, mean, I, I can't get that out of there. We're not representative. We don't use Spreaker anymore. Forget that. I'm going to put up a no Spreaker sign behind us. Facebook, Twitter, the FinFanatic.com website, and the Fansided Network. Thank you all for joining us. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fin side.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.